Tonight, on the Midnight Train Podcast, we discuss everything Stephen King, from award-winning novels to award-winning movies. The King, no pun intended, of scary stories and spine-tingling tales finally has his story told. So sit back, grab a beverage, maybe some popcorn because they all float down here and here's Johnny. Welcome to the Midnight Train. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. All aboard! Hello out there. If you are new here, welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. To all of our regular listeners, welcome back, you spooky fuckers. From paranormal to pseudoscientific, nothing is out of bounds. I am your conductor of the uncanny, Jonathan Sayer, and with me, as always, is the engineer of the unearthly, Mr. Jeff Butko. Jeff, Hey-o. how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, today, by the way, is the last day of summer, if you didn't know. Fall's coming. Fall is tomorrow. That means Halloween. Yeah, dude. We're getting super stoked. And uh, in order to get stipe, 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 Michael Stipe, Michael Stipe. Yeah. No, in order to get stoked for it and to just, you know, get this whole thing going for Halloween, man, we're starting off with something really cool and we're doing nothing but like cool shit all season long, right? Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. This is like our, awesome. uh, this is our Christmas, yeah, essentially. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And of course, across from me, our switch man of the superstitious and captain of the quick check. My son, Riley Sayer. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, you know, I'm just splendid. You know, it's a little warm. So, actually, it's a little warm. so yeah, Riley, just... I need a little update. So I, I know we put the post up on the the bidding of the haunted house date, and I'm pretty sure we got some feedback. We did. Yeah. Yeah. We we absolutely did. In fact, uh, do we have any dead ringers or some uh, yes, high bidders? We do. Um, but I don't think he's really wanting to go with chainsaw. Yeah, I mean, that's a haunted house in itself, Yeah, right? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Come here, Riley. You mentioned them going up to get tickets. You know, Chainsaw, for those of you out there who don't know Chainsaw, he's, what would you say, six, probably a little over six foot? Six, five, maybe? No, How much he's, you think he weighs? he's tall. He's, he's, he's a big probably boy. like, I don't want to say his weight, but he's a big right. dude. He's a big guy. He's a big old trucker. If he came up to you in a dark alley, you would probably have to change your diaper. Yeah. I'm glad to say that he's, he's our friend. So imagine... Skinny fit Riley, you know, soccer player, young, youthful, in shape. And then you got big chainsaw and they're walking up to the ticket booth, you know, next to each other. Not, you know, really close. And chainsaw reaches in. He says two for the haunted house, please. (laughs) And then there's poor Riley standing there like uh. (laughs) standing together. They'd look like the number 10. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. So, anyways, that's where we're at with the bidding. So yeah. Far? So, well, no, we've uh, had a couple of people that are like, you know, I wish I wasn't so far away. And and females, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they definitely, and like I said, um, I've got a lot of uh, people saying where they should go. So we've got to get this rolling. So people, yeah. go, ladies out there, put the bidding in now. You can start at fifty cents if you want. You can start at a hundred dollars if you want. Whatever it is. And 
that's going to go towards the actual date. I was thinking about oh, that. Oh, that's a good call. Whatever you do, please don't let Chainsaw check me out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so don't forget to head over to our official um, website that's uh, themidnighttrainpodcast.com and sign up for the Midnight Bonus Train for bonus episodes, including but not limited to our drunken movie reviews. You can also listen to all of our regular episodes, uh, buy some super sweet merchandise like our black hoodie because, listen, that hoodie season's coming up, buddy. Yeah, it's even though it's campfire time. Yes. And if you're telling a tale, you know, specifically one you've heard on this podcast, yeah. you're going to be one of representing that hoodie. Because it's just going to make you that much scarier. But it's going to make you, what is it, 176% sexier? Isn't that oh, yeah. what we figured out, right? Yeah. Scientifically, we brought it down. Yeah, that was the math. 176.3, like I think. Right, I mean, but the point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most hoodies are like, a, what, a polyester, 70%, and then like a 30% yeah, cotton blend? something like this that. This is like 130% sex. Like, it says it yes. right on the tag. Yeah, it does. It does actually so, say that. Like, if you're not... a weird smell, but... Not, well, that smells well, called that's awesome. That's part of the theme. Yeah, yeah it is. So, uh, you know, just in time for fall weather coming up, even though it's almost 90 fucking degrees out here in Cleveland, Ohio. On the last day of summer, by the way. I hope it cools off. I'm over it. Um, so, yeah, it really does help to, you know, keep everything rolling for us. And uh, you can watch YouTube videos and, you know, whatever else is on the website. We've actually got a couple other things on there. Like we have a uh, abnormal news now, um, which is just which is great. If if you haven't checked that out, you need to get on that. By the way, yeah, the abnormal news is just a little segment on there where uh, our our good friend, crazy old Isaiah. Goes in there and kind of just gives his uh, his spin on the news he's, around the world. He's an interesting character. He's very entertaining. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so we, we give him the bonus episodes because we don't want him to take over the podcast because he probably would. He's that good. Yeah, he is that good. He, he's pro. Yeah, he's so pro. And we don't want to lose crazy. our job. So. Right, right. Absolutely. And there, there's a lot of other stuff over the website, too, where you can sign up for, you know, things. You can get like bonus this, that and the other and whatever. Just go check it out. Tell your friends about it. Please subscribe, like, rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. Also, uh, social media. So, like, if you're not following us on Facebook, you're missing all the Riley bids and all this good stuff. Absolutely. And uh, we actually just started a um, a uh, a group for the Midnight Train right now, and it's actually pretty hilarious. That's where the bidding is actually happening. So, uh, very nice. If you guys want to get a hold of that, just look up the um, the Midnight Train podcast group. Um, Now, it is a private group so not anyone can join all right but we we will let everybody in this is a group that with open arms right for the most part right unless you're you know a racist bigoted closed-minded asshole yeah and if you attended the uh area 51 which happened by the way um don't join our group because we don't want your kind we need to talk about that real fast. <laughs> so before we even get into this, and we should probably even just do like a uh, uh, a follow up a follow up episode on it. Yeah. But so I'm sitting there, and I totally forgot about it happening, and then I saw that it dropped. You know that, that it was doing. Yeah, did you get the post on Facebook? It yeah. was like, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, is there a live feed for this? You know, and of course I was late. I was like 12 hours late or something for it. And the live feed was just a bunch of millennial weird dudes in like yeah. weird hats. Standing around with signs talking about let's read it and everything else, <laughs> and the news outlets there are just laughing at. Them, oh, they're dude. loving it. This oh, is, this is like media. So the the craziest thing for me with it was I the whole time we've been following this, and we actually we aired it on what three four episodes ago when it was first starting. Yeah, right around. Yeah. Okay, so I had this picture painted in my head when you kind of went over the story of the guy that started this. I'm picturing him being like an older, just kind of like quirky guy, you know, maybe like our age maybe low 40s right. just like a like a insurance salesman that's bored at work right. right they showed the guy that actually did this original post and put this thing on he looks like skrillex he's like he looks like he's 18 he looks like <laughs> skrillex 
He's got like Post Malone tattoos on his face and stuff. Oh, of course. And he he's does. wearing like, I don't know, some band shirt with like the blazer over it, long hair and earrings. So he's cool. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, he's I mean, cool now guy. it does. I mean, it, it, it definitely but makes it totally sense. painted a, a different picture than I thought, at least. I was just hoping that somebody would have at least tried. Would you see the memes they're making now? No, I haven't. So they got any. a picture of like everybody in front of the gate and there's like somebody photoshopped like vietnam helicopters in the background <laughs> flying over and like <laughs> explosions going on like there's tons of memes oh, coming out now you poor guys out there all right so lastly before we start getting and in, getting into this uh we, a few episodes ago we played uh the band critic city uh, which is a couple of friends of ours here from cleveland good stuff and um so next week um in the boxcar which is our segment where we uh showcase the music of unsigned bands I'm actually, uh, we're going to do an interview with uh, Chris Donnelly, who's the lead singer nice. of uh, Critic City. We'll be talking about their upcoming shows. They have a, uh, a CD release, if I'm not mistaken. Their music, and most importantly, does he believe in Sam Socks? Oh, that's that's critical. Yeah, so he has to. So stay tuned to the end of uh, that episode next week. Uh, this week, we don't have anything in the thing. May, I don't know. Maybe I'll throw something in there. Maybe I'll throw in some some old more sky pilot stuff just because i feel like doing that what do you think i think that's a great idea okay so stay to the end of this episode and you'll hear some more sky pilots and uh next episode or yeah the next episode we drop is going to be with uh chris donnelly and so make sure you guys pay attention all right so enough of all that crap let's get spooky jeff where are we headed today today we're going to run a train on the one and only king of horror Stephen King. Stephen motherfucking King. The godfather. First and foremost. Spooky stories. Happy birthday. His oh, birthday was yesterday. How old? He's 72 years old. Oh, that means we're going to lose him soon. No, Not to be dark. That. Don't, but, Jesus. Don't but you say know, that. he's getting up there in that age. What are we going to have a death pool around here? Ooh, you realize we should have a death pool. Once he passes, that's it. Yeah. There really is nobody. I mean, James Wong is kind of good, but he, I don't think he, I don't know if he writes, but. As far as writer, who, who as far as left? movies and stuff. Well, movies and books. I mean, well, the, well, yeah. I think it's more. He's 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 a writer. Like I know that his his books were, were transformed into movies, but he's just one of the most prolific writers in the world, dude. Who like he stemmed from you know Edgar Allan Poe, who got yeah. him started, and like you know he's just such a dark, dark dude. So so his children write though, right? Uh, his <laughs> right, believe, the right, the right, the right. right I believe right. his son does, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think we'll get into that too. Maybe so, he'll carry the torch then. Yeah. I mean, so not to get birthday. dark. I don't want to. I don't want to do like a death pool or anything. But I mean, no, no. guy, guy's seventy-two. Everybody seems to be croaking now at seventy-five. This is the midnight train. Maybe we should have a a a, a death. Um, death. Do, do we want to do a bet between the three of us? Yeah, a, a friendly. Think, uh, yeah, virtual shake. Uh, I'm gonna say he's gonna go Gentleman's bet to at least eighty-five. The dude's got more money than 85. Jesus. Yeah, I'm gonna say eighty-five. What do you think, Riley? I'm going higher. You're going higher? Really? Going Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say this year. <laughs> wow. Jesus, yeah. really? Yeah, I'm going to say this year, and it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be cancer, because he would have had symptoms by now. It's going to be like a heart attack or like like a sudden thing, like a done. The dude has so much money, man. Well, money's not going to buy you Listen, immortality. It, I mean, it kind of did for Magic Johnson. That's a different story. Well, I'm just saying. He flushed his blood out of his body <laughs> with money. <laughs> Liquid money? <laughs> you ever see that South Park? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Stephen motherfucking King. The dude is, uh, I'm a huge fan, and I'm really glad that I actually got to run a train on him with this one. So Stephen Edwin King, born September 21st, 1947 in Portland, Maine, like I said, happy birthday, is the badass author of such spine-tingling, creepy-ass books such as The Shining, Silver Bullet, which is one of Jeff's favorites. Oh, yeah, it's a great one. Pet Cemetery, Christine, which is my favorite of all of them, and a shit ton more that we'll be going through. 
His books have sold more than 350 million copies. Well, let's realize that, people. 350 million copies. Lots. A million's a lot, right? Just think if he was selling each one of those books for a dollar. He'd still have three hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Riley, well, give us some math here, like uh, uh, compared to a population, three hundred fifty million. America, that's as if that would be like if every single person in America right now owned one one copy of his book. That's insane, people. Think about that. <laughs> that is pretty crazy because the population of America is right around three fifty. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, not just from a money standpoint, just from like a notoriety and oh, fame. Yeah. Dude, like, he's, he has to be the most popular horror it's writer, a household name writer of all time. At that point, right? Yeah. Oh, he is for sure. You can't go anywhere and talk to anyone and mention the name Stephen right. King and then not know who it is, especially because of Stephen who? Hawking? Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. He's a robot guy. I don't know him. So, um, you know, many of his books have been adapted into feature films, miniseries, television series, and comic books. King has published 61 novels, including seven under the pen name of Richard Bachman and six nonfiction books. He has written approximately 200 short stories, most of which have been published in book collect- collections. It's fucking crazy. Like, the yeah, dude's that's... done nothing but just write, 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 write. And he's still writing. He's got books coming he's out, like, this year. Until he, until he dies this year, then we won't have right, anything right. left. He's right. got 85, dude. I'm saying 85. All right. So, a little history on this creepy genius. He was the second son of Donald and Nellie Ruth Pillsbury King. They separated when he was just a toddler. And he and his older brother, David, were raised by his mother. How would you like to be David King, by the way? You know what I mean? Like well, yeah. you show up to the family reunion and like Steven comes in. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they're all kissing his ass and everything. And then there's Dave. Hey, Dave. <laughs> it's, like being, it's like being Tito Jackson. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. exactly. Or, or what was it? Uh, the skit that they did. Uh, I forget which um, comedian did it where you're like, you know, Jesus Christ, brother. Yeah. Craig Christ. Craig Christ. Like Stephen yeah. Lynch. Yeah. Stephen Lynch. Stephen yeah, Lynch yeah, yeah. Song, yeah. So David King, you know, owner of a screen printing shop for T-shirts. <laughs> he's like, yeah, life's good. How about you, Stephen? Uh, he's probably good. I wouldn't I would, I would imagine having a, uh, a rich, successful brother like that. You, you're probably good unless I they hate hope, each other. I would hope that Stephen took care of his family and, and good old David isn't doing a goddamn thing but golfing every day and, you know, just living Poor the David. best life. Well, they were raised by um, um, Stephen's mother, and as a kid, he spent time, uh, sometime in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where his father's family was living, and also in Stratford, Connecticut. When Stephen was 11, his mother brought um, him and his brother back to Durham, Maine, for good. After uh, Stephen's grandparents passed away, he started working in the kitchens of Pineland, a nearby residential facility for the mentally challenged. Now, how I think about Ooh. that for a second. Yeah. So, he's immediately you know as a teenager or whatever it is he's sitting there working you know with mentally challenged people right. i know he's working in the kitchen obviously but still do you think he took the complaint seriously like somebody comes up and they're like this dog fur doesn't taste like chicken soup <laughs> and he's like you know what you're right and grabs a salt and pepper and puts it in there <laughs> possibly i don't know maybe so he went to uh, grammar school in durham and then lisbon falls high school graduating in 1966 um sophomore year at the university of maine at arono he started writing a weekly column for the school newspaper called The Main Campus. He graduated from the University of Maine at Orono in 1970 with a B.A. in English. Uh, he was lucky as shit when the Vietnam War draft board determined that his ex- um, examination immediately after graduation found him F4 on grounds of high blood pressure. Limited vision, flat feet, and punctured eardrums. Fuck yeah, bad genes. Because, dude, wow, yeah, cause if you get an A1 or any of those, buddy, you're going to war. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially back then. So um, he met Tabitha Spruce at the Fogler Library at the University of Maine in Toronto, where they both worked as students and ended up getting hitched in 1971. <laughs> so he's like, you know, in the library putting books back and she's looking up a book and he's like, hey, you want to go to a haunted house on a date? And she's like, yeah. 
Let's do it. Is that how it went down? I mean, that's what I'm envisioning, right? <laughs> how would you envision uh, I, I envision a girl at a library? I envision him peeking through the books to see her and going. Yeah, he's breathing heavy. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's on and the talking other Talking to shelf. himself like, I've got to talk to her. <laughs> I got honor. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. Um. Um. Hi. Um. Um. Looking down at the ground, like my, my name's Steven. Do you like creepy shit? And she's like, No. And then he hits her in the head with a fucking book and takes her. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Sorry, that went weird. Sorry, I apologize. That that went really weird. Didn't mean to do that. that was really, I don't know about that one. Hey, we're in the spirit of Halloween, guys. Right. That's Come right. On. Um, and he couldn't find a job as a teacher immediately, so Stephen helped support his uh, family while working as a laborer at an industrial laundry while Tabitha worked at a student loan and savings. So rough starts as a married couple. You know what I'm saying? Which everybody does. It happens, I right? Mean. It happens. Um, well, it didn't last long, although he sold his first professional uh, short story, The Glass Floor, to Startling Mystery Stories in 1967. Um, throughout the early years of his marriage, he continued to sell stories to men's magazines. Many of those were later gathered into the Night Shift collection, or appeared in other anthologies, making a little extra cheddar for the household. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Got a little side hustle going on. Yeah. So while teaching high school English classes at uh, Hampton Academy, which uh, is the public high school in Hampton, Maine, he was writing in the evenings and on the weekends, and he continued to um, spit out short stories and continue to work on his novels. So, you know, he's an aspiring writer. He's making ends meet. Him and his wife, you know, they're trying to do whatever. And, um, you know, that's pretty much how he, you know, started off with this whole thing. So... In uh, 1973, the year that would change his fucking life, Doubleday and Company accepted the novel Carrie for publication. Carrie, amazing novel, amazing book. So that's his or, very or first movie, novel book. Same thing. That's his very first, as far as like that's the one, the first one that got like bought. That, but like, it's not his first like story no, that no, no, we know of. The first one's the Glass Floor. That's what okay, I'm saying yeah, up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is the first book of his that actually the big one got published and like yeah. So, um. They accepted the on Mother's Day of that year. Stephen learned from his new editor at Doubleday that a major paperback sale would afford him with the means to li uh, leave teaching and write full time. So Doubleday editor William Thompson, who would eventually become King's close friend, sent a telegram to King's house in late March or early April of 1973, which read, Carrie, quote, carry officially a Doubleday book. $2,500 advance against royalties. Congrats, kid. The future lies ahead. Bill, unquote. So Cha -ching. he got a $2,500 advance back in 1973. I mean, imagine, I don't know what that equates to now, but I would assume that's probably, that's, I would say that's pretty good I mean, for back then. I mean, cars back were like 500 three, bucks. Four, <laughs> no, they were like three grand, I think. No, well, whatever. I had a 72 Chevelle and uh, I have the window sticker for it. I was mm. fortunate enough to find it and it sold MSRP for $3,200 at the oh, dealership back in 72. Okay. So, so yeah, they were around three grand or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so you, that's it for a new car. So if you bought a used car, I mean, right, shit. right, right. Who knows? Um, so according to King, he bought a new Ford Pinto with the money from the advance, which is funny. Yeah. It's uh, $15,000. It'd be about $15,000 right yeah. now. And Ooh. what would a 1973 Ford Pinto cost like in 1973? I'm going to guess off the top of my head, I'm going to say like 2,800 bucks. So I'm going to say like 22. Well, no, Pinto's kind of kind of cheaper, right? Yeah, I would Smaller. say within somewhere in the two grand range, I would think. Yeah, it, the depends on the model, but uh, three thirty-two hundred to thirty-nine hundred. Oh, oh wow, go. okay, more than I thought. All right, so we bought a Ford Pinto with the advance. Now, on May thirteenth of nineteen seventy-three, New American Library bought the paperback rights for four hundred thousand doll hairs. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. Right. <laughs> Now, which in accordance with King's contract with Doubleday was split between them. So he got 200 grand out of it. All right. 
Carrie set King's career in motion and became a significant novel in the horror world. And boom, Creepy King makes good. You know what I mean? Like, boom, yeah. that, that just started it right there. You know what I mean? So um, I tell you what, we got a, uh, a, a an actual clip here from Stephen King, right? Yes, this is an interview from 1993. Um, basically, he's just, you know, explaining his wealthiness which it's funny so like i i was telling you earlier in your research i don't know if you found this but like he's kind of got like a cocky sense to him kind of like a like i have all this money right you said he seemed like he's yeah, yeah cocky so, you know, or whatever yeah, just listen to the interview all right tell me what what kind of books do you write well if you ask the ordinary run-of-the-mill reader if there is such a guy or such a gal i guess that i write uh horror novels i think that what i actually write are suspense novels what's the difference i think that uh the purpose of the horror novel is to sort of gross you out my idea of it is and i'm not averse to this i will do this it's part of the fun of it is it's kind of uh at the uh, it's a childish thing the way that humor is. The two things are closely allied. They both elicit, when they work to their best, a, a vocal reaction from the audience. Laughter, if it's comedy, and a, a scream or a, a yell, if it's, if it's horror. But it's, they're both childish, and uh, it's kind of like uh, when you're a kid and you're sitting at the dining room table and you want to get to your to your sister or your brother, you kind of chew up your food and then, ah, you hang your mouth open like that. That's horror. Suspense is a little more high class than that. So maybe that's why My I mother used to say that was tasteless. That's tasteless. Yeah, that's right. Well, my mother, when I was a kid, used to say, Stephen, your taste is all in your mouth. And that's true, but it has made me relatively wealthy. <laughs> yes, it has. Not even relatively. Very. Very wealthy. <laughs> Not even relatively. <laughs> and then the interview ends right there because he hits the trap door and the guy falls in and he's like, Murr. <laughs> so you can see, you can kind of get the sense of him being a little cocky, which whatever, man, the guy did amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. So, but he does have that like, you know, well, it's childish for horror. <laughs> I'm suspenseful. I make suspense movies <laughs> and write suspense books. But still love Stephen King. Yeah, he absolutely. Still a great guy. At the end of the summer of 1973, the Kings moved their growing family to southern Maine because of Stephen's mother's. Her health wasn't doing too well. Um, renting a summer home in uh, Sabago Lake in North Windham for the winter, Stephen wrote his next published novel, originally titled Second Coming, and then Jerusalem's Lot before it became Salem's Lot, which is a pretty fucking spooky Ooh. book, too. Didn't yeah. Rob Zombie redo that? I don't. Or he did Witches of Salem or something like that. I don't know. I'm sure the listeners know I what I'm talking about. I don't know. Um, he wrote this one in a small room in the garage. Unfortunately, Stephen's mother, Nellie, passed away of cancer at this time at the age of 59. So, listen, sounds like cancer runs in the family, so maybe maybe yours, maybe, maybe, you said 75, right? Is he 70? No, I said this year he's going to die. Oh, that's right. You did say so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, dude, if he does, all of our listeners are going to fucking hate you. Why? Because you did it. I used the psychic circle, which, by the way... You could get a Ouija board poster on our website if yeah. you want to have the same powers that I have yes. in predicting these deaths. Right. Is, is that what did it? Absolutely. Oh, okay, cool. So Carrie was published in the uh, spring of 1974. That same fall, the Kings left Maine for Boulder, Colorado. They lived there for a little less than a year, during which Stephen wrote The Shining, set in Colorado. Returning to Maine in the summer of 1975, the Kings purchased a home in the Lakes region of western Maine. He's just buying up houses and shit all over the place. Isn't oh, yeah. He? At that house, Stephen finished writing The Stand, much of which also is set in Boulder. The Dead Zone was also written in Bridgeton. 
Now, I've never read The Dead Zone, but I have read, uh, which and I, I can honestly say that I, I love reading. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time to really do it anymore, especially with doing this, but I'm getting a lot of info this way. But I have read um, The Shining. I have read uh, Carrie. And I have read The Stand, as well as a few other ones. So those are great. I haven't read The Dead Zone, though. Yeah. But The Shining's just one of the best m- movies right. and adaptations ever. Right. Like, that's just, it's so timeless, man. I love that. So we have another clip coming up here of uh, old uh, Creepy King, right? Yeah, yeah. So this right. one, he's basically discussing uh, characters. Cool. Do you create characters you like? Usually I do, but I don't always create characters that I like. Sometimes I create the, the same, the sort of characters that I'm, I'm afraid of. When I was a You're kid- You're afraid of? Yeah. When I was a kid, I, I, there was a guy who, maybe the first of the modern serial killers, he was a, a guy named Charlie Starkweather. Right. And uh, he, he was went a guy on, off the Texas uh, right, it, it, tower. Right. Little bandy, no, no, that's, oh, that's yeah. much later than right. this. Starkweather was in uh, Nebraska, right. okay. and uh, it was in the 50s. And I had a scrapbook. I cut out all these clippings of him. And my mother found this scrapbook. It was 57, so I would have been about 10 years old. And I think she decided right then and there that not all my wheels were on the road anymore. And she <laughs> Your said, elevator was not going said, to the said, top floor. She said, why, do you, why are you interested in this guy? And because I was only 10, and what articulation I had then went into the stories, and it really still does. I'm a much better writer than I am a talker. What I was not able to tell her was, there was one picture of this young man who killed these people, and what there was in his eyes was nothing at all. I mean, vacant rooms, depopulated planets, there was nothing. And what I was not able to tell her was, I need to look out for this guy. I need to know everything about him so that if I ever meet him or anybody like him, I can go around. And in my fiction, when I've created characters like uh, John Rainbird and in Firestarter or George Stark in the dark half, some of the real bad guys. I'm telling myself, reminding myself, look out for these guys. These guys are dangerous and they're really out there. Stranger danger. Yeah, that's you that's, heard it first. Yeah, that's pretty well, I mean it's kind of it's kind of cool how he comes up with that stuff. It, it's funny the fact that like so this all started, like he was saying from that serial killer, he was so interested in it. Like he was drawn to it, like he was saying. Right. And his mom's like fuck's wrong with you or you right. know like you shouldn't be into this but create creativity comes in so many different forms i mean like look at us doing this man like we do just spooky shit are you saying we're gonna be serial killers or were you say we're gonna be uh, multi-million dollar writers but i'm gonna say the latter okay right so well m- maybe yeah well <laughs> um what's his name the charlie starkweather guy that he's talking about do you know the story behind him no so he was technically not a serial killer he was a um a spree killer i don't know if you guys know the difference uh-uh. Yeah, you're in a true crime. What's the difference between a spree killer and a serial killer? A serial killer has the same methodology and has to kill at least, um, like over a period of time. It's it's well, it the the definition changes. It, it could be two, and then it was four for a little while, or three, but it's multiple people, so it's more than like yeah, it's more than two, more than three. And a spree killer, someone does it in a short amount of time, right? Yeah. So this guy, he was in Nebraska and Wyoming. So I read the whole story a couple months ago. Nice. And um, so I actually recognized the name when he said it. But so what he did is he met this girl in Ohio, actually, like an hour west of here by Toledo. Everything comes back to Ohio. Yeah. Why? The, the girl's name was Carol Ann Fugate is her name. And she is from like a town, like a tiny, tiny town, like an hour west of here. In the middle of like. What's the town called? I don't remember the town. It's That's so, a weird name for a town. Yeah, the it's town very, very is tiny. called. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this guy 
got this girl and they they went back to her house and like murdered her parents i think or something like that and then she went with him to wyoming and nebraska where they he, he went and killed i think 10 people in the span of a month he like would just wow. he would go into their houses and rob them and murder them so that was a spree, like that's killing spree. spree. Yeah, it was okay. a killing, killing spree. spree. It's, a, it's yeah. a short amount of time, right. yeah, as opposed to like, um, and, and the methodology is usually a little bit different too. He probably, he probably didn't have a set way of killing the people, or and if he did, it was out of, uh, <laughs> and if he did, it was only out of his time restraint. You know what I mean? Like he, yes. he probably knew he was going to get busted. Hey, a side note on that. So talking about Stark weather, is that the same Stark weather that? Um, the guy from um, what is the movie with Michael J. Fox where you can see ghosts? Teen Wolf. No, no. Back to the Future. God, Twilight. Damn it. No, fucking hate both of you. But anyway, ghost. no, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I'll think of it. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It was a really cool movie. It was yeah. uh He he could see ghosts. Yeah. And he went out and, and was, it, was it a Tim Burton? It, it may have been. I don't. No, no, no. It was uh, who, who's the guy that did uh, Ghostbusters? Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, yeah, yeah, I think it was I know Zemeckis. Exactly. Yeah. And it had like it was like the huh? silhouette, called, uh, the it, silhouette of the ghost. It was they were yeah. black silhettes, and they would like chase the, them. the frightening, frightening, or frighteners, yeah. frighteners. That's yeah, it. Okay, yeah. ah, sorry about that. Folks. I knew it was Team. Yeah, Wolf. we had to get that. It wasn't Team Wolf. Fuck you. Anyway, so in the frighteners, the guy that was killing everyone, Johnny, whatever his name is, yeah, when they caught him, and, and remember, and for spoiler alert, but he comes back as an evil ghost and he's killing people, yeah, and carving the numbers on their foreheads, which is a fucking great movie if you guys have never seen The Frighteners. It's so awesome. So anyway, he's um, as when he's caught in the news footage, he goes, "I got me four or one more than Stark weather." Is that the Stark weather Probably. he was talking about? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So check right. this out. This is what the guy looked like for the people who check this out on YouTube. We gotta find a better way to put up this stuff. Yeah, you might want to put it right. on you there. there. Which which guy? There's like five of them there. You're blurry. You're blurry. We gotta find a way to be able to. Yeah, we, I can do a screenshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there it goes. That's him in the middle. Yeah, with the blood all over. What he, a creepy looking yeah, mug. He looks angry. That looks almost like that news footage from that movie too. He looks like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> Paka. Oscar is mine. Oh God, that dude looks like a just a bad dude. Yeah. Wow. It looks like the guy that would steal your lunch money in high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We have a uh, awesome commercial for you. I believe this is actually a new sponsor, is it? Actually, this is a movie trailer. Oh. And it's a reboot of a classic by Stephen King called, okay. called The Shining. Okay, well, you know, I never really know what Jeff's going to come up with. So go ahead, Jeff, and then we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. All right. Meet Jack Torrance. I'm outlining a new writing project. He's a writer looking for inspiration. Lots of ideas. No good ones. Meet Danny. He's a kid looking for a dad. There's hardly anybody to play with around here. What's up, Doc? Jack just can't finish his book. I don't want to sound melodramatic, but there's no way to make it economically feasible. Here's to five miserable months. But now, sometimes, what we need the most is just around the corner. I'm your new foster father. I'd do anything for you. Climbing up on Salisbury Hill. I love it. I could see the city light. My heart going boom, boom, boom. Son, he said, grab your things out 
So how was that uh, heartfelt Shining recut, by the way? <laughs> the Shining yeah. recut was... As a family movie. It's pretty hilarious. Pretty, pretty funny. I really like the, uh, the, uh, the, the upcoming one is going to be amazing. I'm pretty yeah, excited yeah, about that. One. All right, so we're back to talking about Stephen Creepy-Ass fucking King, the uh, the king of the, oh, oh wait, suspense yeah. books, not horror. Yeah. Not horror. I'm sorry. My, my phone's blowing up on me right now. Sorry. Sorry. Leave me alone. All right, so let's get back to this. In 1977, the king spent three months of a projected year-long stay in England, and uh, it actually got cut short, and they returned home in mid-December purchasing a new home in center Lovell, Maine. Like, how many houses does this guy fucking need? He owns, like, all of Maine. Yeah, I guess. After living there one summer, the Kings moved north to Orrington near Bangor so that Stephen could teach creative, uh, creative writing at the University of Maine at Orono. The Kings returned to center Lovell in the spring of 1979. In 1980, the Kings purchased a second home in Bangor, retaining the center Lovell house as a summer home. Houses, 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 houses. You can write a suspense book on how many houses he owns. <laughs> I mean, it's a good investment. You don't, you, right. you probably wouldn't lose your money back then. Yeah, well, you know? probably not. I, I, I don't know. In the late 1970s, King began what became a series of interconnected story, interconnected, interconnect, intergalactic planetary. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <Inter> wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Apple <laughs> tree. tree. That's it. Um, <laughs> A series of interconnected stories about a lone gunslinger, um, uh, Roland, who pursues the man in black in an alternate reality universe that is a cross between J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth and the American Wild West, as depicted by Clint Eastwood and Sergio, Sergio Leone in the Spaghetti Westerns. The first of these stories, The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, was initially published in five installments by the ma uh, magazine of fantasy and science fiction under the edit editorship of Edward L. Furman from 1977 to 1981. The Gunslinger was continued as an eight-book epic series called The Dark Tower. Now, I know uh, a couple people that are really big-time Stephen King fans, mm -hmm. and every single one of them unanimously says that The Dark Tower is by far the best, like his best writing. Didn't they just make a movie about that? Yeah, that recently? was with uh, Matthew McConaughey and that, uh, what's Elda, the... The, uh, I know the guy uh, that's in Thor. Something Elba. Elba. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. By the so, way, I think he's a great actor. I, I think the movie got like I don't know. You might want to look up the I don't know what the Rotten I heard Tomatoes it was is. Not a very favorably reviewed movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Like, look that up and see what it is. Fan of the books, the book side of Stephen King. They all unanimously love say that the Dark Tower is like the best. Like it's the bee's knees of his books. That's I guess, awesome. From yeah. what I hear. See, I haven't had a chance to read those at all, but um, he um. Those books he wrote and published infrequently for around four decades. So um, quite a time. Yikes. Uh-oh. Dark Tower uh, got a 16% on the tomato meter, which I think is the critics, right? I think so. And the audience gave it a 45%. Oof. Oof. Oh. How to kill Stephen <laughs> all right, King. All right, all right, all right. Listen, let's, let's, let's put this in, into perspective. His books are what makes him money and why he's successful. His movies, yeah, he's had some good ones, but he's had some turds. Like, have you ever seen, uh, what is it, The the Thinner? Yeah. Um, well, actually, it's funny you mention that. Um, I have a clip here. It's coming up, but I'm actually going to play it now. And this yeah. is about his movie adaptations. Okay. Which is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So here we go. The movie has to capture some of the spirit of the writer's heart and, and mind. And if it doesn't, Generally speaking, what the reader went to the book and found and loved, the movie audience won't. How many screenplays have you written? I've written um, uh, 
You had to ask me that yes. right well, off the top of my head. Well, name the ones that you wrote. I think... Here, wait a uh, second. Just bear with me, folks. <laughs> I'm looking at the, what they call the masthead page, where I actually has it. Yeah. I've written Creepshow, Cat's Eye, Silver Bullet, Maximum Overdrive, Pet Cemetery, Golden Years, Sleepwalkers, and The Stand. And which of which of those did coming. you like the most? The one that I like the best is The Stand, which is going to be a Okay, that's an eight-hour miniseries on yeah. ABC. And that's and, why I like it, because it got a chance yeah. to spread. And, um, and did you have more of a direct involvement with the director and the producer so that more of the passion of the writer... Charlie, I was the producer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Again, with the, with the cockiness. But Charlie, you dumb fuck. So it's kind of interesting. Producer, it's kind of interesting. You can, you can follow back on that list, and he actually you know, directed and produced the movies he mentioned, which if you listen to it, those are kind of the best ones out of his movies, if you think about it. So he obviously (laughs) adapted the book being the writer. He adapted it perfectly. Now, you know, he's got hundreds of movies that we'll go over, but out of all the other ones, there's some that are, I think, adapted well, you know? Maximum Overdrive is such a cheesy 80s amazing movie yeah i mean well back then before special effects and everything i'm surprised they haven't remade that yet i'm telling you that and christine the fact that they haven't remade those two movies yeah. which i'm glad they haven't because again i fucking oh, hate it time you remakes. know they're remaking princess bride right did you see that i heard that uh that they're actually there's a petition going around from uh, uh people that are you know just the population that are saying that they do not want it to happen so carrie Elwes, always, always. Yeah, the guy that played the main character mm-hmm. in Princess Bride, uh, what was his name? I don't remember. Yeah, that, I Whatever. Remember. He actually posted on Twitter. He's like, "Why would you ruin this this great movie?" Yeah. So like, he doesn't even want it remade. There, there's no way. It, it sounds to me like the 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 population, the populace as a whole, doesn't want it to happen. So I don't yeah. think they will. Um. So in eight, uh, 1982, King published different seasons. A collection of four novellas um, with a more serious dramatic um, bend than the horror fiction for which he's, you know, famous for. The collection is uh, notable for having had three of its four novellas turned into Hollywood films. Stand By Me. Great movie. Great movie. uh, Was adapted by the uh, novella The Body. The Shawshank Redemption. Another great movie. Absolutely awesome. Was adapted from the novella Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Because remember, the poster was of Rita Hayworth. And Apt Pupil, and that was adapted by the novella of the same name. So, do so, oh, so we already did the, the clip on that one, right? So, him mm-hmm. just talking about how he did it. So, in 1985, King wrote his first work for the comic book medium. Now, I, I'm a huge comic book nerd, uh, writing a few pages of the benefit with well, the, the, the comic X Men. You know what I mean? I, mean, we all oh, know, I didn't know that. That's we all know cool. who the X Men are. Um, but uh, the one was called um, Heroes for Hope, starring the X Men. The book, whose profits were donated to assist with famine relief in Africa, was written by a number of different authors in the comic book field, such as Chris Claremont, Stan Lee, the man, and Alan Moore, as well as um, authors not primarily associated with the industry, such as uh, Harlan Ellison. The following year, King published It, 1986, which, by the way, still haven't seen the second one, but I heard it's just garbage. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I'm I'm just, I'm upset about the ending. Like, I'm not going to say anything. But yeah, it's just kind of. I think a, you already did mention it. Did I? I think you may have. All right. Well, if you haven't seen it, turn down the volume for like 10 seconds. Or just fast forward a couple and seconds. And now. So they brought the fucking spider back. They brought the spider back. And it's yeah. like horrible CGI spider, like worse than Lord of the Rings spider. So I was kind of disappointed. I was really hoping they would have changed that 
and kept it like Pennywise or maybe do something a little more creative, but they brought the spider back in the second one. Now, I haven't seen it, so this is uh, word of mouth. Right. Well, Uh-oh. the Rotten Tomatoes score, take a guess, on the, on the, the newest the over, one? The newest That's one, the chapter two, yeah. Um, from the critics, I'm going to say it's a 45. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. It's going to be... 63% okay. from the critics, so it's favorable. And the fans, I'm going to say it's lower than that. I'm going to say it's like 30. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, the fans, yeah, 30, 20, somewhere in there. 80%. Really? You know yeah. what it is, though? It's all the younger people who Never don't the know the first one, one and yeah. have probably, yeah, that's yeah, that's. See, I've bullshit. actually talked to people my age who have never seen the first one and said that uh, these ones are so good. So I told them to go back and watch the, the first one and let me know what they think. And I'll, let you, I'll let you guys know what they tell me. Here's what would have been amazing. If they would have ended the second one where they kill Pennywise, obviously, but instead of the, like the whole spider thing, have Pennywise die and then that deadlight aura comes out and then he forms back into another clown, like a new clown for a new generation or whatever, and have it be Tim Curry, have him reprise his role as like another. Oh, pen- that'd be that, awesome, dude. That would have blown the yeah. thing off the charts. Ah, Tim Curry, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> so, um, it in 1986 um, was the best-selling hardcover novel in the United States that year. And he also wrote the introduction to Batman number 400, an anniversary issue in which he says, fuck Superman. I'm actually I mean, paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, he actually said that he preferred the Dark Knight over the Man of Steel. But I like thinking that he was just kind of like, you know, fuck Superman, that motherfucker. I don't like Superman him. Superman is kind of like a cheesy hero. Yeah, I mean, I, let's be real. I, I mean, so. I know you're in the comics. Yeah. I was in the comics and I know you're in the superhero movies and whatnot. Can we all agree that Superman's kind of like a he's like, I don't know. The Johnny Football hero of, yeah, of freaking he's, he's comics. supposed to be. He's written as he, as he's infallible, which makes me believe that there's no real connection to him. Yeah, you know, like how can a normal person have a connection to somebody who just is limitless power? You know, can't die. Basically, like the opposite of the Punisher, right? Which you know makes I mean? which, me really want to watch Brightburn. It looks because that's supposed to be the dark side. Like if Superman was dark and like yeah, that looks evil. awesome. Yeah, it really I, does I really want to awesome. see that. I, I gotta I gotta check well, that out. You guys seen that show? What is it? The Boys. Or whatever. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I know what you're talking about. It was awesome. About. It, it was good? super awesome. Did you watch it? No, I haven't seen it. It's great. So it's basically, and it's on uh, Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And it's basically like a world of um, where superheroes are like, you know, the big thing. So it's kind of like, you know. Um, the Incredibles? No, like, <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess, but more like a Justice League type thing okay. where they know that there's a certain, you know, group or whatever. But uh, it's own, they're owned by a company. And dude, it's rough. Like the death scenes, it's not for kids. Really, it's 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 not for um, squeamish adults. It's huh. it's pretty hardcore, dude. I definitely recommend it to anyone. Um, so, did you guys ever hear about um, Stephen King getting hit by a car? I did, and that's when he wrote Misery, right? Uh, I don't know yet. Let's get to it. Okay. <laughs> I just I'm going off of my memory. Yeah, I, I, see, I never what... I don't remember that at all. But uh, on June 19th, 1999, at about 4:30 p.m. King was walking on the shoulder of Main State Route 5 in uh, Louisville, Maine. Lavelle, Maine, maybe? Driver Brian Edwy, Edwin Smith, which is really ironic because that is Stephen King's middle, middle name. name. Yeah. Wow. Fate and irony. Dun, dun, dun. And you guys don't think he's going to die this year? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's just really weird. I just noticed that. Um, so anyway, he was distracted by an unrestrained dog moving in the back of his minivan. Um he struck King, who landed in a de- depression in the uh, in the ground about 14 meters from the pavement of Route 5. So he got hit pretty hard. Uh, according to Oxford County Sheriff Deputy Matt Baker, King was hit from behind, and some witnesses said the driver was not speeding, reckless, or drinking. 
in his book on writing, quote, it's called on writing. King states that he was heading north, walking against the traffic shortly before the accident took place. A woman in a car also northbound passed King first. And then the light blue Dodge van, the van, um, and then the light blue Dodge van, the one the guy was driving, the van was looping from one side of the road to the other. And the woman told her passenger, she hoped quote, that guy in the van doesn't hit him. Yeah. King was conscious enough to give the deputy uh, phone numbers to contact his family, but was in considerable pain. He was transported to Northern Cumberland Hospital in Bridgeton and then flown by air ambulance to Central Maine Medical Center in Lewiston. (laughs) His injuries, a collapsed right lung, multiple fractures of his right leg, scalp laceration, and a broken hip kept him at the CMMC until July 9th. His leg bones were so shattered that doctors initially considered amputating his leg, but stabilized the bones in the leg with an external uh, fixator. And that's where he got hobbling for the misery. I'm after, telling you, after I've heard five this. operations in ten days and physical therapy, King resumed uh, working on 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 writing quote on writing the, the the book whatever in July. Though his hip was still shattered and he could uh, he could sit for only about forty minutes before the pain became unbearable. King's lawyer and two others purchased Smith's van for $1,500, reportedly to prevent it from appearing on eBay. The van was later crushed at a junkyard to King's disappointment as he had fantasized about actually, like, breaking it up himself. Nice. Yeah. So now, whether or not that was the... I I didn't see that anywhere. It sounds... Like that would be his inspiration. I heard. So I didn't hear. I never heard the details of the car accident when I was younger, but I remember hearing about it. And somebody told me that's when he's like when he was injured and, and bedridden. That's when he wrote Misery. And that's why you have all the details of like, you know, specifics. Of well, his... I'm sure we'll go over Misery in a little bit. But, you know, it's essentially about a crazed fan of right. an author. Right. Who essentially kidnaps this guy. Right. Who is in an accident. Right. She rescues him. And then literally straps him to the bed breaks his ankles she's yep. nuts and like won't let him leave yeah so Kathy Bates, I'm, man i'm assuming like that correlation of what he went through is it portrayed sounds, in that story sounds feasible yeah well you guys now that we've mentioned all three movies that were in this episode have you seen the uh, episode of family guy where they put where peter imagines like all the cast of family guy in three different stephen king episodes or no. stephen king movies was it one of the halloween ones they no, did or something he's in he does um what is it Misery, The Shawshank Redemption, and um, Stand By Me. And like they go through each movie. Yeah, I think I've seen like, that. And it's like making fun of it really? the whole time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think I've seen that. That's pretty cool. So let's talk about how much this dude's worth and what he does with his money kind of thing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am quite wealthy. <laughs> King has he stated. Buys houses. Yeah, he buys lots that. of them. King has stated, stated that he donates approximately $4 million per year to libraries, local fire departments that need updated life-saving equipment like Jaws for Life or Jaws of Life tools, um, schools, and a scattering of organizations that underwrite the arts. So okay. I'll tell you what, it's Stephen King or Stephen King's children, um, heirs to the throne. If you're listening, you know, donating to podcasts is a huge thing. That's what I hear. I mean, it's just as important as school. I mean, we could use Jaws of Life here, you know? In case. I mean, why not? I, we could just to have it around. I'd like to cut some shit up with it. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're in the donating mood, <laughs> any of the kings. <laughs> Throw a little this way. I know David King ain't doing shit but screen print t-shirts, so he's got extra money floating around. Send it our way. All right. So the, the Stephen and Tabitha King Foundation, chaired by King and his wife, ranks sixth, sixth 
among main charities in terms of average annual giving with over $2.8 million in grants per year. Tax write-off. According to the, of course, uh, the Grantsmanship Center. In November 2011, the STK Foundation donated $70,000 in matched funding via his radio station. He, the dude has a radio station. Um, to help pay the heating bills for families in need in his home uh, hometown of Bangor, Maine during the, the winter. So, what is this creepy, brilliant fucker's net, net worth? Well, in 2019, he has an estimated net worth of $400 million. His earnings average $20 million a year. Yeah, we should have been writers. What do you think? Yeah, I'm just thinking $400 million and he sold $350 million novels right yeah that's that's some pretty crazy i mean he basically balanced out his career he's he's fucking rich dude yeah. that's rich that's he's stupid rich so when he was like well i am quite wealthy he wasn't lying yeah, he's definitely got a trap door like on his front porch <laughs> really jehovah witness comes yeah. up and they're like have you met the power of god and he's like trap door he's got sharks with <laughs> lasers sharks, on top of the yeah. with lasers <laughs> So Stephen and Tabitha now spend winters in Florida and the remainder of the year at their Bangor and Center Lovell, Lovell, whatever homes. The Kings have three children, uh, Naomi, Rachel, Joe Hill, and Owen Phillip, and four grandchildren. Stephen and Tabitha provide scholarships for local high school students and contribute to many other local and national charities. Stephen is the 2003 recipient of the National Book Foundation Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters and the 2014 National Medal of Arts. So this particular award right here, when I was doing my research, getting video clips and whatnot, they have a video of him. And uh, when he received this award, he got to go to the White House and meet President Obama. And he it shows like the video clip, it shows him standing next to Obama and like he's presenting the award. He looks so uncomfortable and creepy. Like Stephen <laughs> King's just standing there like, <laughs> I'm so rich. Yeah, I'm I'm so rich. Trapdoor. I'm, I'm gonna go home and 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 Uncle Scrooge right into my pile of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was so weird. He's just standing there and he's like, I got a boner. And then Obama's like, <laughs> bro, I'm trying to give you this award. <laughs> Calm put you, down. Put your dick away, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we were talking about. The, we we we've ran a train on this guy right now, and he's just he's amazing. All right, well, let's get to the good good the stuff, movies. and let's talk movies. So now boys. let's get to the movies. We all want to. Well, let me kick this off first of all. Okay. Um. So watch Mojo if you are internet friendly and you fall down YouTube rabbit holes like myself. Yeah. Uh, watch Mojo is one of the more popular. Um. Uh, it's kind of like a BuzzFeed, but for videos. Okay. It's also the same quality. Right, right. So it's it's very popular uh, channel, and what they do is they take everything, everything that you could think of, and they rate it. You know, from like ten to one, least least to greatest. Okay. So what they did is they took the top ten scary, uh, scariest Stephen King clips, like little clippets from each one of his movies. All right. So let's go through this list. This is a list of the top. 10 scariest moments in Stephen King movies. This is according to the internet, which is a huge, huge world. Huge so world. obviously, right. you know, internet can't be wrong. We all know that if you ever get a sickness, you diagnose yourself right. via the internet. Right. And they're always right. And you're, you're dead. You're, you have cancer. Right. So right. immediately. Yeah. So this is like the... My foot hurts. It's cancer. This is dead. the, I don't know, the holy grail, I guess. Right. Okay. Let's check it out. Number 10. Dragged by tentacles, the mist. Hey. I want to go. Okay, I remember this. It was my idea. This is a great Being a protagonist movie, by the way. in Stephen King's horror stories is difficult enough, but let's take a moment to feel for the secondary characters who really have it rough. As an unnatural mist rolls over a small town, 
Grocery store bag boy Norm rises to the Norm. challenge, bravely volunteering to venture outside and unblock a generator exhaust pipe. Norm! What the f Needless to say, he doesn't get very far. What makes the scene so agonizing is how long it takes for Norm to be dragged into the mist, kicking and screaming to the bitter end. So, so that's the mist. The mist, which that was a made-for-TV, right? No, no, no. That was uh, it. Was a movie. Thomas Jane was the main character in it. Um, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the Punisher, right? Yeah. From, well, the first Punisher movie, right? Right. Well, second, right. technically. Um, what's his name? I will break you. Was the first one. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So to me, that that was a great clip. That's to me. That's not the scariest clip. To me, the scariest clip because it was more of a mind f was at the very end of the movie. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen The Mist, turn the volume down. <laughs> um, at the very end, there's like no hope, right? Right. They finally make it out, and they're in this truck, and he's got his kid, he's got the chick, and I think there's two old people, a couple, okay. and they're driving away, and there's just no hope. There's these monsters are coming, and they, they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're, we're tired of running. We're not going to make it. So they pull out a gun, and one by one, they kill each other. And Thomas Jane is the last guy. He pulls a trigger, kills his son, and literally seconds later, here comes the military. If he would have waited really? two yeah, more minutes, yeah. why do I not remember that? Lived. It's the most like cre you're just like, and wow. it shows him. And he gets out of the car and he's screaming why and all the shit, and then that's like the credits. It's like holy Dude, crap! If he would have waited a minute, he wouldn't have had to kill his whole family. I might have to yeah. binge watch some Stephen King movies yeah. again because I don't I don't remember you, that. You've seen that, that yeah, right? Yeah. He literally he literally shoots each one of them, yeah. and then he goes to like turn the gun on himself, and then the military rolls in. Yeah, yeah. It, that was like. To me, that was the best clip of that movie. It was oh like, oh my, my god. god. That, that, that's, I think, is where he comes up with the horror is when the guy gets dragged away. The yeah. suspense is when yeah. the ending there. I Dude, think that's, that's what he's so talking about. Fucked. All right, what's, yeah. uh, what's number nine? All right, here we go. Nine. That is really messed Execution up. Execution gone wrong. The Green Mile. Yes. One. The Green Mile is not a horror movie, but it still has its fair share of chilling moments, thanks in large part to sadistic Love prison officer movie. Percy Wetmore. When Percy sabotages Please inmate Edward Yellow's execution, we all know what's about to happen when the switch is thrown. But that doesn't make it any easier. Roll on two. Oh, <laughs> For over two and a half minutes, the helpless Delacroix convulses as electric current shoots through him. Mm. As the people watching swarm the exit, only to find the doors chained shut, it's hard not to feel trapped with them forced to watch as Delacroix's head explodes in blue flame. Everybody stay calm! Please, stay calm! Dude, that's, that's, that's such a... <laughs> because you, you feel for the guy in the movie. You yeah. feel for Delacroix or whatever, who, who was... Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, the great big black dude who's just awesome in everything he plays. So Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan, right. And I watched an interview when I was grabbing clips of Stephen King, and he said that that was his favorite actor out of all his movies. Really? Out of all the movies that have been portrayed by his books, Michael Clark Duncan was his favorite actor. Which, ironically, we were talking about um, um, The Punisher. Mm -hmm. Michael Clark Duncan played the kingpin in one of the Punisher movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it's messed up because you really feel for that guy. You just, you know what I mean. He's got a mental Tom, handicap. Tom Hanks was in that movie, right? Yeah, he yeah. was the officer. He right? was the main officer in there. They had uh, the the cancer, then he, he couldn't pee or whatever like that, and he ended up curing him, and he cured yeah. his wife. 
because his wife was dying of cancer at home or something like Wasn't that. Wasn't there something with mice or something? Like yeah. That? Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mr. Bojangles, I think, or, or something like that was the yeah. name of the mouse. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and at one fucking prick that tried to fry him killed him yeah and then he brought him back to life yeah yeah oh no because um it was it was one of the cellmates in there one of the little itty bitty guys that um befriended this mouse and was feeding it all the time and that dude killed it you know what i mean yeah that percy or per- yeah. whatever his name is little fucking Ooh, i never wanted to just jump through a screen and punch somebody <laughs> right in the fucking head uh anyway all right so what's number eight okay so number eight the diner slaughter children of the corn the locals at the diner in sleepy farming town Gatlin, Nebraska, it seems like a normal day. But something wicked this way comes. There's something particularly disturbing about creepy children. And Isaac Croner, the 12-year-old who convinces the children of Gatlin to murder their parents Malachi. as human sacrifices to a demon in the cornfields, is pretty damn creepy. As Job, one of the few good kids in the town looks on, the adults who aren't poisoned first are cut to pieces by knives, farm tools, <laughs> and, of course, a meat slicer. It happened everywhere in Gatlin that day. This is so creepy. So Children of the Corn, I vaguely remember. I haven't watched it recently. I watched it, oh, God, I was really young. So I vaguely remember specific scenes. Like I remember them like showing the big fields of corn and that Malachi guy with the hat. You yeah. know, and they were having the meetings at night in the fields of the corn. Yeah, I barely remember that one, too. In yeah. fact, I actually forgot about that movie Did up you? until you just played that right okay. there. But uh, I do remember it being super, super creepy. And right. like those little kids were just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Hey, Riley, you uh, you paying attention over there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm researching. Yeah. Are, you, are you chatter snapping? I'm actually yeah. messaging Jalal right now. Yeah, that's not research. All right, <laughs> let's hold off on that for a little bit. And if Law happens to be listening out there, Thank you for everything you do, but he shouldn't be talking to you right now. Law, Law is a badass tattoo guy and a, and a friend of ours. That's, yeah, check him out if you guys get a chance. Yeah, he's in the Cleveland area. I'm not sure where he... he um, oh, I forget the name of the place. We'll, we'll yeah. look it up and we'll mention yeah, it yeah. again. We'll throw it in the uh, show notes. Um, all right, so what's number seven? Seven. Seven. The Vampire in the Window. Salem's Lot. Now, see, I don't remember this one. I never saw this one. I haven't either, so... According to Stephen King's novels, Maine is a lot more than the Pine Tree State. It's also the playground of vampires, demons, and invading aliens. And I also when own Ralph all of Flick Maine. When Ralph is kidnapped and turned into a vampire in Salem's Lot, he returns home like a good kid to feast on his brother Danny. As Ralph floats outside the window in billowing fog, and I don't remember this Danny one at all. I don't either. See him again. I don't like think when I watched the clip, the it was like, yeah, I don't think I've, I've seen this at all. Realizing he's about to join the ranks of the undead. So that was number seven. Seven. So we're going to be on six. All right. So number seven being the um, Salem's, Salem's Lot. Lot. So I've, I've, that, is that that's a 70s movie or 80s? Uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't catch what it was. Uh, I'm assuming it was 80s. That's what it looked like from the. Oh, well, you know what? I got a the, list the, up the here. I got a list up here. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Let me see here. Salem's Lot. I know my mom always talking about it as like a spooky movie. She liked that movie, but I never actually watched it. I, I never took the time to actually see that one. Well, it looks like it is not 79. 79? Okay. Yeah, 79. I don't even have that on this list. This is supposed to be, this is on StephenKing.com. Three hours and four minutes long. It's got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's not even on this list. Huh. Bunch of bullshit. Anyway, all right. So we got to go watch that one. Next. Six. Number six. And this is a great movie, by the way. All right. John Cusack. Number six, Helpful Neighbor, 1408. 
But where is the bone chilling terror? You've never Show seen 1408? Mm-mm. Oh my god. Oh wait, god. is this about the apartment uh, the uh, apartment or Mike hotel Enslin room? Believes everything this was a really has good a logical one. explanation. But when he's trapped in a haunted hotel room, he realizes he's in over his head. You, sir! Sir, help! Luckily, a man in the window opposite sees him gesturing for help. But as the stranger mirrors his movements, Enslin realizes that the other man is himself. <laughs> He's completely trapped, alone in a world he can't understand, at the mercy of the same supernatural forces he spent his lifetime debunking. And what's worse, there's someone right behind him. Okay, so that was uh, I do I vaguely Samuel remember Jackson. Him. Yes, was I was the gonna say or whatever yes. at the hotel. It was, yeah. he was John Cusack's character was like a par- paranormal. Uh, He's a writer, right? Right, and he was uh, he heard about this apartment being haunted He's from basically stories to debunk it or Correct. write about it. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson was the the desk clerk or whatever. Yes, yeah. And now I remember that it was movie. a great movie. And John Cusack, anything he's in is awesome. He's yeah, like, such he's, a good actor. Yeah, I mean, Hot Tub Time Machine, amazing. One of my fa- all time. In <laughs> fact, my all time favorite movie from him is um, Say Anything. Gross Point Blank. Oh, okay, dude, that's one of my all time favorite movies. He's just so weird because he's a serial, not, yeah. not a serial killer. He's a hitman, and yeah. he's so crazy in it. And Dan Aykroyd's like a competing hitman. Yeah. it's just one of the best movies he's, ever. He's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we're on number five. 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 Number five. Donna gets bitten. Cujo. Don't worry about it, man. Cujo won't hurt him. Cujo is a friendly St. Bernard. Yeah. Until the bite of a rabid bat turns him into a raging monster. Trapped in her car in the baking hot sun with her frightened son, Tad, Donna steps out to see if it's safe to leave. Well, we'll go ahead and ruin the surprise right now. Yeah. It's not. Fully remember this part. Yeah. Cujo mauls Donna's arm then launches himself into the car on top of her as her son screams in terror. Managing to beat the animal back, Donna is left wounded and, much like the audience, trembling in her seat. Kibbles yeah. and bits and bits and bits. Dude, man, they should have old yeller that dog, man. Now, I remember Jesus. watching. I remember watching when I was a very young kid. My mom was like, we're going to watch this movie called Cujo. It's very scary. And I remember watching that. And man, you don't look at St. Bernard's the same way anymore. You don't look after at dogs watching. in general I know, but anymore. particularly St. Bernard's, yeah. you know, it's like, ooh, that was... You probably watch it now, and it's probably like a hokey, like whatever. Yeah, as a kid, but as a kid back in the eighties, that was like what? Well, it's the same thing with uh, today's generation watching it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that, we're looking at it, going, "Oh, that's fucking spider," and they're going, "Oh right. my god, it's a big spider." You know what I mean? Right. So I guess it makes sense, but that's freaking awesome. Though I loved Cujo; it was so just terrifying. Yeah. All right, number four. Four. Carrie's revenge. Carrie. Great scene. Plug it, it up. Because we Plug it with up. Carrie so much that she also terrifies us. We've seen the trauma she's been through and felt the anger building inside her. Her humiliation at prom is the last straw. As the bullied and blood-soaked Carrie unleashes her vengeance on the school, students and staff flee for the doors. But there's no escape from Carrie's frenzied telekinetic rage. Ah! 
seeing Carrie reveal her supernatural powers to the world is a hair-raising, skin-tingling kind of moment. And the gut-wrenching moment sympathy turns into horror makes the scene as memorable as it is disturbing. Yeah, dude. So for the listeners out there who may not have seen it, they, they rebooted that uh, a, a few yeah. years ago and it was, it was okay, I guess if right. for as far uh, remember, I don't like reboots, but anyway, so that scene, basically she's picked on all the damn time. She finally gets a prom date, but it's a joke basically. Yeah. And she gets up and she wins uh well, prom king. It's that queen, classic right? thing. We're like, let's vote the nerd in, right. you know, and they, they vote her in as prom queen. Right. And she's up there accepting, you know, uh, be, becoming or crowned the prom queen. And then they dump like pig's blood, pig's blood Buckets all of over. It. Yeah. So she being telekinetic or whatever, which you kind of like see throughout the movie, her building up to this, she fucking goes ape shit. She locks all the doors, all the windows, and just burns and mutilates everybody. Yeah. It's a fucking amazing scene, too, especially for the underdogs out there. Like, if you've ever been bullied, yeah. and, and, and by the way, if you are a bully and you're listening to this, fuck you. <laughs> Period. Stop bullying go, go people. Go play in traffic. Yeah, you little shits. <laughs> or big shits. I don't care if you're an adult or not. Fuck bullies. I hate them. So anyway, if you were bullied as a kid and you watch this movie, you, you totally relate to her. So I thought... I, I agree. This scene was amazing. It was very epic, and it was a great like closure to the movie. But I thought the more psychological aspect of it was actually the mother. Do you remember the mother? And she was like super Christian, and she would fill the boiling water up in the bathtub and make her bathe when she found out she was hanging out with boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the mother was just like this fucking psychotic bitch. Well, that's like, usually what happens with... <laughs> so not only was she dealing with bullies at school, like she would go home and she's dealing with this abusive mother. Right. So it just... It, the whole movie just builds up to this girl just snapping. Nature like, versus, versus nurture. Right, you know what right, I mean? And right. plus you have supernatural abilities like that. Like, yeah. Pfft. Yeah, that was awesome. Great so that, movie. That was three? That was number three. Three. All right, so number two. I'm excited about this. Three. Come play with us, Danny. Oh, this the is shining. Three. No, this is two, I think. This is three. There's something is it three? off about okay. the isolated <laughs> Overlook Hotel. Maybe it's all the ghosts in the gold room. Love or this Danny's movie. Danny's vision yeah. of blood pouring from the elevator. But the Grady sisters probably also have something to do with it. As Danny rides his bike through the empty corridors, he suddenly encounters two girls standing eerily still. The twins. A vision reveals the awful truth. The girls are dead, hacked to death with an axe by their own father. Come play with us, Danny. Speaking of child abuse. <laughs> the reassurances of Danny's imaginary friend, Tony, don't really make the scene any less creepy. It's just like pictures in a book, Danny. It isn't real. Dude, all right, so we have to talk about this one. So The Shining is one of my all-time favorite Classic. movies in general. Yeah. Um, first of all, it was uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Right, who did Clockwork Orange, um, 2001, 2001 Space, Space Odyssey. Odyssey, Vanilla Sky, I think. Yeah, just a bunch of really creepy, crazy freaking yeah. movies and stuff. But his... Uh, Very avant-garde movies. Yeah, so I, I read something recently about how he directed his movies and how um, the cinematography and the angles, like um, that specific... Um, the hallway? The hallway. Yeah. If you look at it, the way it's done, the way it's designed, and the way the carpet is and stuff, it's meant It's meant to literally like make you uneasy yeah, yeah. visually. Right. And not even is it just the fact that there's two little girls here, but dude, it's like it's a super long hallway. That whole movie is uneasy. Like, oh, even yeah. like in the, the bush maze outside oh, yeah. and like just the rooms in the mansion, you know? Oh, dude, I love that movie. If Him you have not there. seen it, fucking rent it, uh, download it, hack it, whatever. Watch the original Shining with yeah. Jack Nicholson. It is 
phenomenal. Well, it also helps that you've got, you know, an amazing actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jack Nicholson is hands down one of the best actors out there. He's fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But um you've got that you got stanley kubrick you got a stephen king amazing novel it's literally it's like an all-star it's just one, one of the greatest movies ever made in my opinion especially in that genre in that genre it just leaps and bounds so now, for me with this one that was an amazing scene it was very creepy and very eerie with the twins you know santa hallway right. which is what they're talking about for me in that movie particular scene for me was the lady in the bathtub Oh yeah, that fucked me up, man. Yeah. Like when I oh, saw yeah. that, I was like, "What the hell?" I like, I would never look in a bathroom down a hallway the same. I'd be like, oh, you know, waiting right. to see that thing in the bathtub. But they're talking about um, scary scenes and stuff. Uh, to me, it's when uh, his wife's running from him and he's trying to kill them. <laughs> he's cutting the door down and he's chopping the door down. Yeah. Like, and she's against the door. Like, oh, what the fuck? Well, and again, he, this is the internet. Yeah, the internet's always right. I think that's far <laughs> more. I mean, don't get me wrong. Visually feeling uneasy because the the cinematography and the whole thing great 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 scene but like when that part's happening and she's hiding in there and he's chopping through that thing and he finally busts through and his face comes through in that infamous line here's johnny is fucking crazy (laughs) you know riley what were you gonna say the thing that always got me was the the weird bear scene you know, where he like looks in the doorway and there's like the bear is like bent over over the bed and the guy's sitting there on the bed. There's the guy with like the bear costume on. Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be like some sort of sexual yeah, scene. Like some weird. Yeah. It's well, just totally out Stanley of place. Kubrick yeah. Kubrick. Well, the, the, like the bear just like looks over at the door. Yeah. It's yeah. just you don't understand like why it's yeah. happening. Even the closing sense. scene was amazing where Jack Nicholson's frozen and oh, his, yeah. his eyes are just looking up. He's got icicles on him and he's just sitting there like all psychotic yeah. frozen. Like that was amazing. Dude, you guys have got to watch that movie. And, and if you've never seen it before, please send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, anything like that, or our website and let us know what you think of um, the shining. And for the love of Christ, do not watch the reboot that came out like a couple years ago. Do wait, not wait, 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 they did it. a reboot. They did a, yes. I didn't know that. You remember the guy from wings? the tv show wings yeah oh yeah brian or whatever his name was was it made for tv i don't know if it was made for maybe it was fx on fx or something like that but they redid the entire movie they rebooted and it was nowhere near as good god it's garbage all right so number two really this time yes yes (laughs) the hobbling misery yes i'm our number one fan in many of these moments it's the sense of utter helplessness that's really unnerving yeah in Misery, romance novelist Paul Sheldon becomes the prisoner of obsessed fan Annie Wilkes. There's something about the nurse's calm, professional tone as she prepares to break his ankles that's especially chilling. Oh, I hate that but scene. They also had to make sure it. they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Strapped to the bed, he can only strain futilely as the block is laid, and Annie raises the sledgehammer. All right, so real quick before they play it with the sound effects. If you have not seen this, this guy is trapped in a bed by this psychotic fan, okay? He cannot get out of the bed. He's strapped to it. His legs at the bottom of the base where his feet are are spread apart, and this lady takes a 4x4 post that's maybe 24 inches long. and That's two foot for you non-math people out there. (laughs) Puts it in between his feet and then pushes his ankles and feet up to the edges of this post and then lifts up a sledgehammer and... It's for the best. The scene originally called for Paul's whole foot to be chopped off, but the crunch of those broken ankles might be even worse. God, I love you. Before- <laughs> Dude, that's such a And when you watch it, like crazy. they show it, like when she hits the ankle, it looks just like 
like his uh, foot just goes yeah it just is like right oh. to the right and it's just like and i broke my ankle before i don't know if you have i no, actually i've never, I've never broken my years ankle. and years ago i slipped on ice and i snapped I my that. ankle just like that yeah. oh my god so when i watch that and i and like that scene and i see it and hear that that crunch man I, instantly my ankle hurts it's just like, uh, no. just just in general you just like i know the scene really well yeah and just hearing that immediately yeah i've never had my ankle broke or whatever but i it almost makes you sick to your stomach, yeah. you know, like, oh, God. Now, so, s- spoilers for this one as well. Mm-hmm. Love that scene. That 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 one for sure is probably, I agree with the internet on that. That was definitely the spookiest scene. Another scene from that movie that I really love is the ending where he kills her. He literally is struggling on the ground because he obviously can't walk after his ankles are broken. He falls out of the wheelchair. They're wrestling around, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks he kills her, right? So he's starting to get away, and then boom, she's back up. Well, he right. finally takes a typewriter. I'm talking like an old school '50s heavy ass oh, yeah. typewriter, and just mauls her head like just <laughs> like a melon, just done. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to watch that movie. If you yeah, seen that's that another too. good one. All right, and uh, this is number one, right? This is number one. So this is the internet's number one this scariest moment of a Stephen King movie. All right, number one: Georgie meets Pennywise. It. What a nice poem. Do you want it back? There are plenty of scares in both the original miniseries and the movie adaptation of it. Georgie's apparent return from the dead was the stuff of nightmares. And Pennywise crawling out of the projector left audiences breathless with terror. But there's something horribly real about Georgie's first encounter with stranger danger as he walks the streets alone. When he peers into a drain after his paper boat, Georgie meets the not-so-friendly neighborhood clown, who strikes up a playful conversation, then bites the boy's arm off. Take it, Georgie. So, that's number one. I'll agree with that. I thought that was an amazing scene. So, all right. I I agree. It is pretty creepy. It, It made everybody just fear clowns. Like, people who... If you had a, a fear of clowns prior to that, it fucked you up. If you didn't have a fear of clowns, you now had a fear of clowns. You know what I mean? It was just fucking brutal and just crazy. And my, to me, the creepiest is when he's like, you know, talking to him and Pennywise is underneath there and he's like, they all float down here, Georgie. Yeah. You're talking and, to Tim Curry. Yeah. Like the original. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, and down here, you'll float. Yeah. And dude, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry. And they, uh, again, we're old school. Um, the original way better of a movie, Absolutely. in my opinion. I, I I thought the first part of this new one was OK. Yeah, um, it was a little hokey. It's I a didn't, little overdone. Yeah, I didn't like the whole dancing thing where they shut the camera and shit. Yeah. I thought that was weird. So that was number one. Hmm. All right. Well, whatever, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's such an iconic scene, too. I mean, it's everywhere you don't look at storm drains the same way anymore yeah and people were pranking they were putting like red balloons down in the storm drain like you know when the movie was coming out the newer one ugh. just to mess with it. i mean it's it's a great scene yeah it really is a great scene so all right so that was number one those are the top 10 scariest moments in stephen king movies according, according to you the internet <laughs> right according to you guys out there that's what that is so don't blame us right for that because obviously opinions vary now i do want to before we get um you know we close this whole thing up because we've been talking about the myth, the man, the legend, Stephen King. Uh, and again, happy birthday, old timer. Um, we really fucking love you. And I don't know what movies and shit. What, what would we do without 
Stephen King. You know we're going to find out after this year. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to run through this list as fast as I can, and we're going to stop on the ones that we actually um, have seen and that we liked, okay? So starting from his very first movie, Carrie. We talked about that. That was in there. Great moment at the very end where she just fucking just annihilates everyone that ever fucked with her in her school. Even people that didn't fuck with her in her school, yeah. like was, everybody died. Wasn't John Travolta in that? Wasn't he the popular uh, guy? I don't remember. Honestly, he was. It may have been because that was uh, what was her name? Um, Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Yeah. Who was also she was a coal miner's daughter. Was she? Yeah. She played. Um, um, oh, why can't I think of her name? Not Tanya Tucker. What's her name? The, the, the Loretta Lynn. Oh, really? Yeah, in Coal Miner's Daughter, yeah. Nice. Um, John Travolta was... So John Travolta was in there. Oh, cool. All right. Um, The Shining, amazing. We talked about that. Such a great movie. movie. Rent Uh, that movie if you have not seen it. Get your hands on it. It's worth... If you have to buy it, let's say you're like at Walmart and they got it in the the cheap bin for five bucks and it's a DVD, it it is worth the five. And if you don't think so, bill me. (laughs) Bill the show. (laughs) Bill bill you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Creep Show. Creep Show was cool. It was kind of a... uh, It was a, a hodgepodge of different stories and stuff like that that were yeah. kind of cool. I mean, um, Le- Leslie Nielsen was in one of those, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. In one the of little those. goblin guy that who was like the host was kind of yeah. like, Nyeh. and then uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Stephen King actually had a uh, um, uh, one for himself with the alien uh, goo that came down or whatever. Okay, so real quick while we're talking about that, my favorite of all time Stephen King cameo is in Sons of Anarchy, where he's the cleaner. They call him in. Remember. Uh, tigger tigger is his name yeah tig he calls in the, the he's like i'm gonna call the cleaner they kill this uh gemma the mom actually ki- accidentally kills the caretaker for her dad oh man I remember, remember he gets that. shot or she gets shot and they, they accidentally kill her so he's like i'm gonna call the cleaner and he, it's stephen king the guy shows up and I he's like that. he's like he walks in he's like where's the body and he's got like <laughs> like gallons of bleach and stuff and he like he gets rid of the body and everything and it's funny because like he's about to leave and he's like, wow, that guy's good. Oh, but he just, he's like yeah. this creepy guy. I don't remember that one. That was my favorite cameo of him. Um, Cujo. Cujo's good. Scary as it fuck. It is a good movie. It's you won't. Rabbit dog. People probably won't appreciate it nowadays just because of effects and, you know, story or whatever. But I mean, back in the day, that was a really good movie. Yeah, if you really want to fuck your kids up, let them watch it. <laughs> yeah. um, the Dead Zone. I've never seen that one. I don't, I'm not even sure what that one is. I may have. I mean, I could honestly go through and yeah. like, you know, look these up or whatever, but I'm, we're just wanting to get through these. Um, Christine, amazing movie. It's basically about a, a haunted car that just kills people and it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. And it was like, um, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be like in the 50s or 60s, right? Or, or was it? It was modern day 70s time. or 60s or 70s, I believe. And what's cool about Christine is if you haven't seen it, it's about a, I forget what the model car it is. I want to say it was either a, a it looks like a Bel Air. I think it was a Bel Air. Okay. I think it was a Chevy Bel Air. And this thing was possessed, right? Yeah. And like a 56 no matter, or 57, right? Yeah. yeah. And it would just like kill everybody. And yeah. no matter what you did to it, it would refix itself. So like they would like smash the car up and try and kill it or whatever. Or they destroy crushed it. it at one and, point like, in time. It would be sitting in the garage by itself and be like, like yeah. the metal would bend back and it like fix it would, itself. Yeah. 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 So cool. crazy. 1958 Plymouth Fury. Fury. Oh, okay. oh wow. Yeah. Okay. 1958 Fury. All right. Uh, Children of the Corn touched on that one in that little thing. Um, scary shit, especially if like, you know, macabre little fucking kids with scythes <laughs> are <Malachi>. your thing. <laughs> um, Firestarter. Now, this was Great Drew Barrymore's movie. first, first, no, second movie because her first one was E.T. E. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cool. It's a cool movie. It's a, about a girl who has, um, and I'm just shooting all these off the top of my memory because I've seen right. almost every one of these. 
Um, it's a little girl that actually has, uh, she's a pyromancer, yep. where she actually has the ability to catch things on fire. So, fucking awesome movie. I'm pretty sure that was a made-for-TV, not 100% positive. Not good reviews, 35%. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, it was. yeah, whatever. Um, Cat's Eye. I don't know that Love one. Love that movie. I, I don't, which one is that? So, that's the one where, like, these, there's these little trolls. Like, I'm talking, like, I don't know, two inches tall. Like, these little, like, goblin things. And they would come out at night and they would try and take children's souls. And what they would do is they would stand on like the child's face and they would like do this like weird seance thing. <laughs> and like the soul of the child would slowly come out. But the, the catch was that cats would protect them. So the cats would fight the trolls to keep them from taking the essence of the kids. So isn't that kind of the same premise of sleepwalkers with the mm, cats? A little different. Remember? Yeah, but it's a little different. Okay. All right. I'll have to check that out. I've never it was an 80s cheesy thing. Like it was a good movie. Okay. Also, Drew Barrymore was in that too. Oh, was she really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Silver Bullet. Great movie. If you like movies about werewolves, just, awesome. just fucking watch or it. Or Light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm a fan of both. Yeah. Um, which, uh, by the way, they probably didn't hear a crack uh, of a beer uh, on the beginning of this episode, and that's because we're actually uh, doing this one early in the afternoon. Guys, we're not alcoholics, okay? I mean, we can't be drinking all the time. Jeff. With, with that being said... You're speaking for yourself at this moment in time. (laughs) Um, Maximum Overdrive. All right. This one's great because it's basically technology comes to life. It's self-aware and it just starts killing everyone. And by technology, we're talking the middle of the 80s. So it's like a fucking toaster. It's uh, a a semi-truck with a crazy fucking grill. Zambonis and tennis ball machines. And it's got Emilio. Emilio! Emilio! Yeah, the movie's so good. It's so awesome. I love that one. Um, Stand By Me fantastic yeah, that one's a, a little bit more on the darker side of it it's got key um Kiefer sutherland in it yep and i river want, phoenix yeah river phoenix um uh, who's the, the guy, guy from, from goonies, goonies. Yeah. yeah um he's all weird now Aston? no the other one I, it's on the tip of my tongue right now uh, the one that used to hang out with michael jackson feldman, and said that cory feldman, Corey feldman. feldman. Oh, yeah, yeah 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 oh yeah he was in yeah. that and then uh jerry o'connell yes and he's like fat in that in that movie, yeah, he was a chubby like kid. the fat looking yeah. the leeches, remember yeah. That? yeah, it's a great movie. That's that's a, that's a little bit more on the sombering side. Um, but if you guys get a chance to watch that, they basically go out and they find a dead body, yeah. and then they get they get once again bullied by a bunch of assholes or whatever. Um, the so great, yeah, the great thing about that movie is it's very relatable for like people, particularly in our our age bracket, because back in our day when we were younger kids, you know, we would have a group of friends and we'd fill up our backpacks full of stuff and we would go on adventures. We would go far into the woods we would go on oh, bikes yeah. forever you know kids don't do that nowadays obviously but like that's kind of the trussell scene i used to do that I, yeah over in when we lived in uh wellington there was a trussell way back in the back that we would ride our bikes to yeah it was old nobody went on it we probably should never have done that <laughs> right but that's how like it's a good movie for us because we can relate to those times right. absolutely yeah it's a great movie so if you get a chance creep show 2 is the next one um that one is basically the same as creep show one it's just a little more updated or whatever um the running man now this is not the arnold schwarzenegger movie i was gonna say yeah did it, it? it is not in fact i i have to research this one just because i want to know what this one is At, whoa it is the steven yeah it's the movie adaptation of the book oh okay wow i was not aware that's of that that's awesome Holy shit, that's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie out there if you guys aren't uh, yeah. aware of that one. Um, so basically what it is, is uh, it's in the future. Right. And there's this game show, which is basically like Gladiators, where right. you have to literally fight for your life. You want to know something real quick? In it, go ahead. Jeff said it was in the future. Guess what year it takes place in? 2025. 2019. 
Huh? No, not according to this one. In the year 2019, America is a totalitarian state where the favorite television program is The Running Man. Oh, see, I got it from StephenKing.com. It says it's 2025. See, I got it from regardless, IMDb. Yeah, so regardless, yeah. it's still like now or yeah. close well, to when now. when it came out, it was in the right. future. But, right. but the funny thing about that is we're not far away from that now. Look at people watching like MMA. Yeah. People beat the fuck out of themselves. Yeah. You know, and to be honest... I would love to watch a program where, like, maybe ex-cons fought to the death. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> or current cons, not ex-cons. Well, that's, yeah, the current cons. Like, like really bad dudes who are yeah. never going to get out of prison. You know, um, uh, Pet Cemetery next. Amazing. I actually just rented the new one because my daughter wants to watch it. Oh, let me know how that is. Because yeah, I was kind of you know. skeptical if Again, I wanted to even bother. I do not like reboots, but so, I'll let you know. What was the best? What was your like more, most memorable scene from the original Pet Cemetery? Period, hands down. It's when Gage is coming out and he's talking to uh, his his mother, I think, and he's sitting there and he's like almost in tears and he's like, "I want to play with you, dude." That fucked me up. Yeah, man. that fucked me up. Yeah, for me, it was uh, for for sure. Hands down, was the sister. Remember her sister that was all like mangled, like she had that disease. It and she was taking sister. care of it. No, that was the that was the um, the somebody who used to live in that neighborhood. They she was all fucked yeah, up. Yeah, she was all fucked freak, up. Like when she'd open the door and the thing is she's in the bed. Like, oh yeah, Ooh. she's got oh, like that. that. Was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll have that in this new one. I, I can't wait to yeah. see it. Um, I would love for Riley to go back and watch like all of these old ones. Yeah. Like we'll watch the new Just ones. You watch on the it. old ones and you let us know what you think. I think that'd be really cool to do. Have you do seen that? The Shining? The original. I have. Shining? Seen, yeah, I have seen okay. the original. I only seen a few Stephen King. I've seen the original Shining. Yeah. I've seen um, what is it called? Though we haven't got to this movie yet, but it's uh, Gerald's Game. I've seen that. Yeah. Which I want to talk about that one. Oh, we'll get to it here in a minute. Um, I think I've seen, I've seen the mist. Okay, that's a good one. But I haven't seen, I haven't seen it, the original it. Oh, oh. dude, you've got to, you got. I haven't seen Cujo. I haven't seen Pets. I haven't seen the big ones besides yeah. The Shining. I've in, seen The Green Mile too. In these notes that I have in my in my show notes up here right now, I have a um, a uh, da, 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 a link to all of his movies. You should literally oh, just sit down. Send it to me. I'll do it after yeah. I'm done writing my essay tonight. That'd be awesome. Um, so uh, let's see. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Now, that one is based off the TV show, The Tales from the Dark Side. I don't think I've I have never seen it or heard of it. Yeah, it's from 1990. It's probably, it, I don't really remember it too much. Um, is it a Star Wars reboot? No. It's kind of cool, though, Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> um, Graveyard Shift, which I'm not, a, I'm not familiar with that one either. Um, sorry, folks. Um, Misery. Of course, we just talked about Phenomenal. that one. That's another one. If it's in the bin, buy it for buy five it bucks. For sure. Um, Sleepwalkers, which is basically about some cat people. Yeah. Aren't they kind of like weird cat people? And they're there's like aliens, basically. Something, and they're afraid of cats, and they have like some mommy and son like yeah. interaction that I don't really want to get into. But it's a weird, weird story, but I mean, it's not bad. It's not like horrible. It's okay. So I think the reason you never heard of Graveyard Shift is because it has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. That <laughs> makes sense. Everyone hates it. Yeah. And then um, Sleepwalkers also has, in the beginning of a, uh, this ep- episode of The Midnight Train, it's got that that song yeah. from, uh, I can't remember who, who plays that song. Yeah, it's it's an old 50s thing. Yeah, but it's amazing. It's so dark and creepy. Um, then after that, you got The Dark Half. Never seen that. Needful Things, very good movie. I like that one for sure. I've heard of that. Wait, I've probably seen it. That, what was that? Needful Things was, um, it's, uh, da, 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 let's see, Max von Sydow, Ed Harris, 
Um, opens up a, a new shop in Castle Rock called Needful Things. Anyone who enters his store finds the object of his or her lifelong, dream, lifelong dreams and desires. It's not long before friends and neighbors begin turning against each other, and only Sheriff Alan Pangborn, who's Ed Harris, um, suspects that Gaunt is behind the population's increasingly violent behavior. His distrust causes a rift in his relationship with his girlfriend, Polly, who has been seduced by Gaunt, and so Pangborn must try to save his town alone. I don't think I've seen that one. It was okay. It, I do remember that one. It wasn't great. And then, uh, let's see, Shawshank Redemption. Another one, You, if you see it, buy it. I'll tell you what. If you go on Google, okay, and you type in, out of all time, all time, top movies, Shawshank is number one every time on every chart. It's just fantastic. I mean, you it can is. go look on IMDb. You can look on Rotten Tomatoes. It's number one on like every single chart there yep. is. Uh, next one, Dolores Claiborne. That one, I believe, is another one that had, uh, what's her Kathy face Bates. in it? Kathy Bates in it, yeah. Uh, the Mangler, I want to say that was about a printer, printing machine that killed people. Another maximum overdrive yeah, kind hold of on. I'm going to pop this one up real quick to see if I'm right about this one. Come on, bitch. There it is. Um, boop, 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 boop. Sorry, folks. Internet is taking a minute here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right, I got it. Workers at the Blue Ribbon Laundry have been having a suspicious number of deaths while working on a piece of machinery known as the Mangler. When police officer John Hunton uh, decides it's time to investigate uh, why, he learns that the laundry's owner has purposely been sacrificing young virgins to be possessed to the possessed machinery in order to maintain his and the town's other elders' prosperity. I'd better stay away from that machine, though. Yeah, that's... Aw, <laughs> poor guy. Did so it, that's did, what that did, one is. Did. Thinner, that's the one I was talking about before. Where he, I thought it was cool because of what it what the story right. ended with. Like, because the whole time you're thinking, well, what the hell could this be? And then when they reveal what it is, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Eh, I wasn't a big Essentially, fan if you haven't seen it, it's about this guy and he ends up carrying a ghost on his back. And because he's carrying this ghost around, it's like working out like double time. So he starts becoming thinner and thinner and thinner, but he doesn't know why he, they, they think he has like a, a disease that they can't figure out. Well, at the end of the movie, you find out that here's the spirit, this ghost that was attached to his back, like riding on his back the whole time. And that's what made him lose all the weight yeah, and become thinner. It's cheesy. I, I thought it was kind of a cool, like twist. I yeah. guess. Uh, next, we got the night flyer. I haven't seen that. I've seen that one apt pupil, which I'm not, I'm not sure. That's part of that uh, sequential thing he did. Uh, let's see here. Fascinating about Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah. This is where he finds out that the uh, the old man he's hanging out with is a freaking um, uh, a, a war criminal, a Nazi war criminal. I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, it's good. That one's a good one for sure. If you get a chance, check that one out. Um, let's see here. The Green Mile. We talked about that. Fantastic movie. Hearts in Atlantis. Never heard of. Dreamcatcher. That one was corny. I liked it. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I thought it was good. Secret Window. That was good. I like Secret Window. That's that, Johnny Depp. That was Johnny Depp. Yeah, it was a little bit weird and kind of far fetched, but because mm. he's a writer, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's just a weird movie. Um, there seems to be a common theme in a lot of these movies. Yeah. They take place in Maine. Yeah. And Has writers. About writers. Yeah. Stephen King. I wonder if uh, he had any inspiration for that. Yeah, himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Riding the bullet. Never heard of that one. No. Yeah. 1408, we touched on that one. That's a good one. The Mist, we touched on that. Great Very one. good movie. Dolan's Cadillac? Nope. Never heard of that one. Um, Mercy, I'm not familiar with that one. Nope. A Good Marriage, I have seen that one. It was all right, not great. Um, Cell, now these ones all came out recently. This is 2016. It's called Cell. I've um, seen The Cell with Jennifer with, Lopez. That's Jennifer Lopez, yeah. No, this is, oh, this is, that's weird. It looks like it's Sam Jackson- and it is. And John Cusack. 
and it doesn't say anything about the movie. Literally nothing about the movie. That's huh. fucked. <laughs> um, My Pretty Pony. <laughs> Wait, what? What is this list? <laughs> this is this is stuff he's involved. The Dark Tower, Gerald's Game. Now, this is the one that you said now, you just saw. This one was really good. I like this one a lot. It's messed up on a lot of levels, but it's pretty good. Yeah. You so basically, the in the movie, of it? The, the premise of the movie is a guy and um, his his wife. His wife They're they, like in their fifties. They're like almost retirement age. Right? right. So they go and they have a night of you know they go. Is it a hotel room they no, go to? They, go, they have a cabin out like a couple hours away from where they live. It's on the middle of the woods, probably in Maine. Right. If I had to guess. So they end up uh, getting all hot and heavy and well, doing yeah. what they do, and he chains her or, or handcuffs her to a bed or whatever, and then he fucking dies yeah while she's chained up out in the middle of the woods in this cabin or whatever and then i haven't seen this i've just seen the premise no of i can tell you because i've seen it so what happens is is that they're trying to like rekindle their marriage yeah you know they've been married for a long time and they're kind of losing that spark or whatever and so they go he's like really kinky and he goes like he like wants to handcuff her and all this stuff so you know she's re- <laughs> <laughs> so she's reluctant to do it but says you know what for the marriage whatever i'll do it and Pretty much, he has a heart attack in the middle of it. Pretty and much, he does. <laughs> he, they leave the, he leaves the door open, like, and everything. It's like a wolf comes in, and she, she starts going insane. So the whole movie is her fighting. Like, he dies, but she imagines him still alive, walking around the room, talking to her. Yeah, he, she's progressively losing her yes. shit. So uh. she imagines him walking around the room, talking to her, but he, he kind of um, is all of the bad things in her life that she... He kind of visualizes that. So he's mean to her, tell her you're never going to escape, you're going to die here, like the negative thoughts. And then she visualizes herself standing next to him, and they like argue. The whole movie's her watching these two visions arguing with each other. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it, like a play on misery, but more... A little bit. It's, it's just, it's, it's what, what I've read about it is that the, uh, the whole idea of, of can you, I mean, it's something that could literally happen to anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. just stuck there. I mean, imagine losing your, your shit. Like you're in the middle of doing it, and then just all of a sudden it's like... Yeah. <laughs> game over! And game over! you got over. a body on top of you, oh, you know? Like, what are you going like, to do? A wolf comes in and starts like eating her husband right in front of her. and like yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's a fucking... Like, then, I, I have to still watch it's that. Got, it's on Netflix. It's yeah. got a crazy ending. Yeah, like, don't tell me. I want to watch it's that. It's twisted. You all don't right. see it coming yeah. at all. all yeah, it's right. good, though. Uh, the next one is It Part 1, which is the new one. The The original was way better. Yeah. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Uh, Riley still has to watch the original. Um, 1922. Yeah. Now, this one, I think, was just straight to, like, Netflix. I don't remember it. It's got the guy that you said um, played uh, um, the, 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 the Punisher we talked about earlier, that he was in the... St- Thomas uh, Jane. In The Mist, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's basically a farmer. Okay. And... He pens a confession in the beginning of it, uh, admitting to his wife's murder, but she's haunting him the entire time. Like it's, so it's like an Edgar Allan Poe kind of like kind of dude. Like it's it's a good movie. I liked it. I didn't think I was gonna like it, but it was just one of those binge things. Where I saw Stephen King's name, and I'm like, ah, eh, I'll watch Which, it. By the way, yeah. Why don't we do a train on Edgar Allan Poe? Absolutely. I mean, I think that. that's for Halloween, I and actually, I think that's, that's a, a really one. good topic. I know, I know um, one of my other favorite podcasts. Okay, so for all you listeners out there, I, I just got to get this off my chest here. I listen to two podcasts, basically, other other than our own, okay? Or other than our own. I listen to um, my favorite, uh, like, true crime is Sword and Scale, and it's absolutely awesome. It's done. It's very it's it's very creepy. It's very, um, it's it's. Very real. He uses like actual like nine one one calls, and and it's not for the faint at heart. It's not at all. But if you're into true crime, it is the absolute best. And I'm telling you right now, 
there's a couple of episodes that fucked me up. Yeah. I mean, fucked me up, dude. He did, the guy's name who does it is Mike Boudet. He's such a fantastic like uh, storyteller. It's awesome. So where can people find that if they're interested? In you can find out. it anywhere. You can find it on um, anywhere you find podcasts. Just okay. look up Sword and Scale. He's amazing. And the whole show is just amazing. And then uh, the other one I listen to is called Time Suck. And it is with the comedian Dan Cummins. And it's kind of along the same lines we do. We kind of focus more on like, you know, horror and spooky shit. Mm-hmm. And he does everything. Okay. And uh, he's fucking hilarious. No holds barred. Tells you how he feels and goes through all these different things. So if you get a chance, check him out too. It's uh, Time Suck with Dan Cummins. Now, he did one. He calls him, uh, he does a suck. He's like, yeah, we're totally going to suck Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> so um, he did Edgar Allan Poe's, dude. And I learned a lot of cool shit about it. So it'd be really fun to do that one. Anyway. Back to the uh, the last few uh, movies that are on his list right here. Um, you got uh, Pet Cemetery. That's the new one we were just talking about. It Chapter Two, which everyone says sucks as far yeah. as whatever. Um, In the Tall Grass, which comes out actually next month. Okay. Now let's see what the premise of that one is. In the Tall. So grass. this is going to be his last movie, right? Before he dies, he's got yeah. two. He's got two coming out. In the Tall Grass, uh, the movie will premiere at Fantastic Fest, taking place. It doesn't even tell you what the. Premise is. <laughs> Ah, you turds of the internet. Oh, wait, we uh, got it right here. Oh. A brother and sister ent- uh, enter a field of tall grass to rescue a boy, but they soon realize they cannot escape and something evil lurks in the grass. So it's basically Ooh. like... It's Python or Anaconda Children, or Children of the Corn? Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Maybe. Or Dreamcatchers. Yeah. And then uh, the last one on the list is called Dr. Sleep. And I do not know anything about this one. It literally... Oh, whoa, whoa. In the Tall Grass has uh, the guy who played uh, Ed-, Ed Warren, though. Patrick Wilson. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do me a favor. Look up Dr. Sleep because the Dr. image Good. for it is Red Rum. Oh, yeah. This is the spinoff. It's Ewan McGregor. It's a spinoff of... Uh, oh, it's a redo. It's like a redo of uh, The Shining. It says, struggling oh. with alcoholism, Dan Torrance remains traumatized by the sinister events that occurred at the Overlook Hotel. It's Danny when he's older. It's Danny when he's older. Oh, yeah. so it's, it's basically like a, a, a taken after. Like a sequel. That might be cool. His hope for a peaceful it's existence. It's McGregor. So. Yeah. Soon becomes shattered when he meets Abra, a teen who shares his extrasensory gift of the shine. Together, they form an unlikely alliance to battle the true knot, a cult whose members try to feed off the shine of innocence to become immortal. You mean the shin. Yeah. Do you want to get sued? <laughs> it's from Simpsons. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's the Shinin, not the Shining. I mean, anyway. it's it's a popular thing that it's inevitable nowadays is that they're just redoing and and you yeah, know what I mean. They're doing pre or post. Did you see the redoing Forrest Gump? By the way, I, I, will, I would slap the taste out of your mouth well, right now. Yeah, check it out. A single mother struggling to raise her boy. Your boy is different. My boy's gonna get the same opportunities as everyone else. To avoid the gang life surrounding them. <laughs> Get your white ass away from that window. A football scholarship gave him the opportunity to get out of the hood. I got a college degree. But a tragic drive-by shooting. Find this happen. Got shot. And his baby mama's downward spiral. I'll take care of you if you're sick. Will make him choose between the good life. Try not to do anything stupid. And thug life. Don't you know we in a war here? Some things you just can't change. Sometimes we all do things that just don't make no sense. Forrest Gump in the hood. Wow, so they're really doing that. That's insane. I mean, when you run out of ideas, you just recut, reboot. Jeez. Honestly, I'd see it. Yeah, it does look promising, I, I must mean, say. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So anyway, Stephen King, we're going to close out and get back into the train station here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the ride this week. 
Um, now listen, as we said before, we are coming up on Halloween, so we're going to be doing a lot more spooky shit. Not that we don't do spooky shit anyway, but that's kind of what we do here at the Midnight Train Podcast. Now, email us at any time that you want to give us either show ideas or if you just want to tell us that we suck or if you want to tell us that, you know, you want to go on a date with Riley. Either way, you can do that as well. Yeah, your um, time's running out there, by the way, if you are interested in the bidding on the date. Correct. You got to go on and you got to go on to Facebook and you got to join up on our our um, private, not secret, our private um, group there. It's just the Midnight Train Podcast group. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can find us anywhere you listen. That was Jeff's brain right there. That was my robot. Robot. <laughs> so you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, the Midnight Train Podcast.com, of course, has all the content as we talked before. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Music, all those other ones out there. Please do us a favor, like, su- subscribe, and leave us a five star review. It helps out tremendously because the algorithms, especially on um, um, Apple Podcasts, the more that you get reviewed, the more you stay up in the rankings and then people get to see your podcast. So it's kind of cool. And um, yeah, so what do you think, man? This is the end of um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the ride with uh, Stephen motherfucking creepy ass king, right? Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. I am going to have to go watch some of those original movies so that way I can kind of make fun of you guys if they're bad or tell you if they're good <laughs> well that yeah. list is in there so um go into the show notes on there and let's uh i would love let, let's come back to this and you watch one and i'll watch one and we'll just kind of go back or we'll watch them the new ones like yeah. pet cemetery right I'll, right I'll do that and you watch the old ones and you let, let us know what well, you think or what i can do i haven't seen the new ones really either so what i'll do is watch the old ones and then watch the new ones and then being 20 i'll kind of give you my generation's perspective on, nice. on, on how it all okay how it all pans out and Jeff Rowe? Uh, I just want to say, first and foremost, go watch The Shining if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it in a long time, watch it again. Um, also, if you got the time, hop on YouTube. Check us out. We're on there. We're trying to pump out as much videos as we can. The more follows, the more subscribers we get uh, really helps us out. We can finally break that 15-minute uh, viewing you know, to where we can actually post full entire episodes video-wise for awesome. all of you video rabbit hole YouTubers. Yeah. So check that out. Um, get on the website and check out our merch. Yeah. If you're having issues you know, dating people, hooking up, and all this stuff, all you got to do is wear one of the t-shirts, and it's going to solve all your problems. 100, 176% sexier. Just think Every about time. that, people. Well, I've got the shirt on right now. Yeah. Yeah, and we had to keep the door locked because yeah. people are just trying to get There's in here. literally people banging on the door right now. that's now. Sam Socks, guys. So if you don't know, that's that's our mascot there. And he's just a creepy, you know, no-legged, red-eyed, evil cat. And uh, we love him. He he, he kind of kind of takes care of us here. He's and like our mascot. He's our yeah. guardian, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. protects us. That and our, our, well, she's not in here right now, but Charlotte, the, uh, Studio the dog. station dog, yeah. So anyway, Stephen King, amazing. Please go out there. Find as many of his movies as you possibly can and let us know what you think of each one, especially like uh, Riley's talking about doing. Compare them. Compare the old one. Watch the old one first. Don't watch the new one first because then you're going to look back and be like, oh, it's cheesy. Yeah. Because you got to remember the age difference in these things and like technology and effects and shit like that. Yeah. So go in, do all that, and then uh, let us know what you think. So I totally love Stephen fucking King. Love him. He's a legend. Yes. Enjoy him because he's not going to be around after this year. Stop it. (laughs) Alright, so on behalf of all of us here at the Midnight Train, we're going to close it out tonight with a little bit of this. Turn off the lights, and remember, choo-choo, motherfuckers!